0: Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 16. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether it's informally or as a vocation. It's a gathering place for believers who want to learn from God's Word about how to minister more effectively. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, and today's Thread covers Chapter 7, verses 2 through 16. And it's about moral wrestling, the ministry of persuasion, um, like engaging another person who is straying away from the clear will of God because you're concerned for them. It's, and to do this is tricky, and most people won't, and they're missing something about how far the ministry goes. This is like walking through a minefield to rescue someone who's wounded. You are totally sincere, and you're going to be as careful as you can, but your willingness to try to save this person, who is surely going to die without help, may get you killed. And that's just the reality of the kind of ministry we're in. Now, some people, uh, they they give this kind of work a bad reputation because they're just meddlers, and they love to stick their nose in other people's business. But I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking, you know, we shouldn't let the fear of the extreme case stop us from doing the, the thing that, you know, the extreme case is extreme about. Today's thread is about, well, let me give an example. God forbid you should ever have a child with an eating disorder or some other severe body image problem that produces deeply rooted compulsive behavior in them. Or that you have a child that has substance abuse problems, but if you ever face this, one of the most difficult aspects of it is, you know, where you get you get up your courage, you bite your tongue a million times, but you can see them headed for disaster. And I mean, if you don't treat, um, if you don't treat anorexia, they they die. You know, they destroy their organs and they die. So, yes, you can stand beside them and be polite and say, oh, I love your, you know, I love your skinny, the body, the way it is. And I just we just want you to know you're special to us and we love you so much. And you can hold their hand while they die. Or at some point, if you love them enough and if you care enough about their future, you're going to insert yourself in their situation. And they're not going to like it. They are going to you're going to be, you know, it's as kind as you can be, and you're being, you know, you're choosing your words. Uh, you can see it. It's clear. They're obsessive. They have a self-destructive cycle. But when you bring it up to them, be prepared. Because probably they're going to go into this big rant about being judged and being loved for who they are. And they're going to deflect the conversation away from the truth. And they're going to be mad at you. And then they're going to, sometimes they even become vindictive. And they lash out at you and they try to hurt you. Or they look for allies and they try to divide your family to save themselves from the spotlight. Or they try to find some outside adult to stick their nose in your family business. I mean, who wants all this? But your love for them compels you. And because of love, you're willing to put yourself out there. And you're willing to expose yourself to personal harm. In the hope that they may listen to you. And that is a deep place in the ministry. I mean, most of us, I would say in ministry, do not love people enough to do this. We know what can happen to us. It's kind of like people in the health healthcare business. Sometimes you see them do something and they don't, they hold back. And you know they could do more, but they're thinking about the lawsuit. They're thinking about, you know, and it's one of those things. If it's personal to you, and if your love runs deep enough, you'll put yourself at risk. And uh, that's what Paul is doing. He's putting himself at risk. He is not totally sure that some of these Corinthians have even accepted the gospel. Uh, He's certain that they have not obeyed the demands of Jesus Christ to walk in harmony with Him, and to walk in harmony with the community of those who are following Him. And that's really what this uh, what this thread is about. It's a deep place to go in the ministry. It's where love compels you to go. And it's how deep you're willing to go to rescue somebody. You know, it's some of the people are easy to rescue. They're kind of hardly hurt or a little bit in, in jeopardy. But there are other people that are really, truly headed for a disaster. And somebody needs to take the keys out of their hand and you know, save them, save them from themselves. And only a true friend would do it. And it doesn't always work, I have to say that. But when it does work, they are grateful to you for the rest of their lives because they know what it costs you to, to work for their salvation. Okay, so to find to follow this thread, we're going to have to jump between a few passages here. Where Paul's thought becomes interrupted. And we're going to go to chapter 6, and we're going to open with verses 11 and 12. Paul says, Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. And you are not restricted by us, you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I'm speaking as to children. You also be open, okay? Uh, let's talk about this. He's ministering to them because this is where ministry comes from. Ministry doesn't come from, oh, man, this whole modern fascination with the spotlight and the big show. And somebody was describing for me the other day a worship service they'd been to. And in the middle of worship, like lights dim, boom, spotlights behind them. You spin around, the guitar player's on a. Ray stage and he's smoking you know the guitar, he's playing so hard and then bam new light shift. it's like, golly, what is happening to church? The stage and we think, oh yes, the stage, this is where the big life change happens. I don't think so. Life change happens because of relationship. Bonding is the first principle in ministry, not notoriety not uh, authority, putting me you know on a higher and higher and higher stage, but bonding. When two hearts become glued together, then there's an opening, and the good stuff in the one heart can go into the other, and the bad stuff that's in each one of them can flow and get flushed out. So it's so important that we understand bonding is the first principle in ministry, and Paul here is saying, I am ministering to you, not just me, my whole group. We are ministering to you out of an open heart and so he's opened up his heart but he's running into this seesaw effect you know on a seesaw if uh, if you're both sitting on on one end there has to be a balance there if one of you moves uh, moves too far forward they lose the um, you know they, they start to lose their strength because they're reaching for you and you're not reaching back. Because the sad truth in a relationship is the one who loves the least has the most power. Uh, because the one loving is leaning forward and then the other the other person keeps leaning back. And Paul says that that's the basis of what's going on here in their relationship. He says, I am ministering to you out of an open heart, but you are holding back. And you're not being restricted by us. You're, it's not that we're holding you down or holding your back holding you back, you're being held captive, you're being held down by your own affections. It's the things you love. That's what's hardening you. That's what's hurting you. And as a father to a child he loves, we say to you, open up your heart to us. Because that's the cure. If they will open up their heart, then ministry can begin. You know that's also that's what has to happen to save a marriage too. Jesus said divorce is caused primarily by hardness of heart. You just shut her down against the other person and you restrain the flow of love that you have for them. And that's the beginning of the end of your relationship. And if you want to fix it, you can try all kinds of tricks. And, and, you know, for sure, you're going to need to change your behavior and, and need to listen to each other. But you have to open up your heart. And stop being hard. And to do that, yes, you risk being hurt again. But it's the only way love works. Is you you have to open your heart. All right, let's do a little background again into how this letter came about timeline. Okay, so Paul spends eighteen months living in Corinth with his team, and they plant a church. He is so excited because this church is like a church of the new world. Uh, they're part of. They're not. Uh, stuck in Jewish uh, culture and super traditionalism. They're actually from a very cosmopolitan background. They've got connections all over the Roman empire. It's a big money city, a commercial city, and he's excited about what this can mean for the spread of the gospel. Paul leaves to plant churches in other places. And in his absence, a rebellious leader rises up and uh, he, the church falls into many different kinds of sin, uh, sexual immorality, the abuse of the poor. It's just like the opposite of everything that is good. Paul comes back and has what he calls a painful visit where uh, he shows up about this situation. He wants to talk to them about it. And then this this leader is just totally obnoxious to him. And they have this big public showdown. The guy is at his ugliest And he's got this group that's his faction, and they have taken over the church. Uh, They basically tell Paul he can hit the road, which he does. And then he writes a letter because he's so troubled in his spirit over what's going on there. And he sends the letter with Titus. And it's called the severe letter. and We don't have it. Um, So he... Uh, Titus delivers the letter in person, probably reads it out loud in a church meeting, and it breaks the heart of the people. They see what they've done, and the tide shifts. And now the majority of the church people uh, reaffirm their loyalty for Paul. They weep over you know, what they've done to him and how off base they've gotten, and this leader is pushed out of leadership And he is reprimanded by the majority group, but he keeps his little uh, faction, is still not completely settled. And then that's when this letter comes down. So, back to the word. Paul says in chapter 7, you know, there we were in Macedonia, verse 5, we had no rest inside. We were troubled, waiting, you know, for word on what happens when Titus brings you my message And then he says, uh, outside of us, we had conflicts, inside of us, we had fears, and then God comforts us. And how did he do it this time? Because we looked up the road, verse 6, and there comes Titus with a big smile on his face. And not only that we saw Titus again, that was encouraging enough. You know, it's beautiful to see uh, the reaction that you get sometimes when brothers see each other just how happy, you know, the joy that comes up. And they say we, we had that feeling just cause it was Titus, you know, but verse seven, it's because of what he said. He told us about your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me. And I rejoiced even more. Now, verse eight, even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it. Although I did regret it. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to cause you pain. I perceive that that same letter made you sorry but only for a while. Now I rejoice, verse nine, not that you were made sorry, you know, I'm not I'm not here to crush you. I'm not rejoicing that you're made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, because you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to your salvation, and it's not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. And that's really a huge point because we're, you know, it's not like we said, it's not manipulation and it's not just me wanting to get my way. I'm trying to help you avoid loss, loss that could be substantial, loss that is huge. And I'm willing to put myself out there and to appeal to you. And, you know, uh, it's such a touchy thing when you're doing any work that involves correction Because you can't tell what they'll do. You know, you don't know if they're going to accept it right. And in this case, you know, the godly sorrow doesn't crush your spirit. It just points to, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, you're made. I think this is important as a parent to speak to your kids like this, to say, you're too good for this. You know, you're a better person than what you just did, you know, rather than, you know, labeling them with the bad thing they did. So Paul is saying, I see you as so much better than than you are behaving right now. And I I believe this about you. And I'm just not going to accept this life that you are starting to live. You know, he he contends. He fights for them. And thank God, uh, in this case, it ends well. You know, his part and our part was to do all he could to intervene in their life. He could not make them have a turn of heart. That is the test of their own spirit toward God. It's just that, you know, Paul didn't want to do anything to push them away from God, but he also didn't want to hold back from intervening when his intervention could help them return to the path and find God's grace again. And so in this case, and thank God, you know, many times it does work Uh, because they feel your love. You know, if you, if you let it come down, like you're the hammer and you're the judge and you have to speak to them about this issue in their life, you know, that's never going to work. I mean, who wants that? But if you come to them and it's all about love and tears and compassion and love, you know, how do you argue with tears? And you know that the person is not, you know, they're not being self, uh, they're not self motivated. They're. It's for you. you So this is a good time to go back to chapter 6. We skipped these two verses. Uh, Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And Paul says this to them. We as workers together with God also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That was his big fear with these people was that God could extend grace to them. And yet in the face of the grace of God and with, you know, the big, the the blood of Jesus on the ground and God's mercy extended to them, it would make no difference at all because they they didn't act on the offer. Uh, don't re- Don't get God's grace for you and then do nothing with it. Turn. It's your chance. You know, you get. There's a door of escape for you, and Paul is trying to compel them, which brings us back to a topic of the ministry of persuasion. I want to say a few more things about this. Um, People should make decisions about their path in life based on truth. They should do it because of cool logic. They should do it because of reason. They should do it because of objective standards, but they don't. Uh, People choose their even their biggest decisions in life based on emotion. And the advertising industry is crystal clear about this. So they hype up body image problems in our mind. They magnify our fears. They trumpet our insecurities and make us feel it all to make us buy products that do not even address these problems. We, in the ministry... We in gospel ministry, we as representatives of Jesus, on the other hand, are dealing with those internal issues. And we are applying the true solution of the gospel and the true solution of a right, harmonious relationship with the God who made us. Because when you are right with God, that cures everything that's wrong with, with, with us. But people won't choose the right sometimes they won't choose it some they got other voices you know there's pressures and internal you know they got a spiritual war inside and they've got their own sin that doesn't want to yield and so sometimes people won't choose right without someone loving them enough to apply pressure to nudge them in the right direction and we are in the persuasion ministry i just don't believe that it's a, a sufficient um, description of the of the gospel ministry to say we just deliver the message and it's up to them what they do with it. it. Nobody in the New Testament delivered the message in an intellectual way. It was an emotional matter. It was about being bonded to people. They pled with people, pleaded, pled. They uh, you know they they poured out their heart to people, and um, and we have to. We have to be willing, I think, to go that far. Now, persuasion. Persuasion is what I do for you. Manipulation is what I do to you. You know, manipulation is something that we do to other people for our personal benefit. But persuasion is what we do for the benefit of the other person. Look, they're living with pain. The Corinthians knew. Their heart was conflicted. They knew they were being wrong. They were not walking in harmony with the Lord And they're living in pain and we can help people stop their pain and we can help avoid the impending life disasters that people are creating for themselves due to their inaction at the very least. We just need to show them the cost of their inaction, how much worse things can get and help them take their first step towards sobriety toward repairing their relationship, toward saving their marriage or staying employed or finding health in their body and peace in their mind. Because Jesus has reconciled us to God and he can reconcile us to ourselves and to those around us. The gospel is the cure and Jesus is the answer for whatever is wrong with us. We know that, but you know we have to walk in harmony with him. He wants to bless us, but we have to be blessable. And so that brings us to the end of this lesson. I really hope that you will allow the Lord to use you in the ministry of persuasion. And that, um, you know, this is a challenge to me too because I'm introverted. And the amount of energy that it takes, you know, to expend to really emotionally engage a person to make the change. Because I've got so many people on my list that I'm praying for and some of them have been praying for for years. But some of them, to be honest, I've never really gotten... I, I, have, I have witnessed to everybody that I have the door open. But, you know, there, there's ways to, to lean in. There's ways to push. There's ways to up the amount of emotional involvement that you have with a person and not just sort of hope that something good happens. But, you know, it's like, well, let me tell you a story and I'll close with this. Uh, I have a friend and he uh, had a son out of marriage. And the son was, you know, as the court would normally do, uh, it's in the must- mother's custody. But this mother uh, got into a really horrible lifestyle. She had drug problems. She uh, was had men in the house that were in strip club, uh, like manager kind of guys. And it's just a bad environment. And this this man's son is being raised like that. And he he decided I'm getting my son back. And he went, you know, and the lawyers will say, you know, you know, you really can't hardly challenge a mom. And he said, I'm getting my son back. And it's like, well, this could take years. Well, let's get started. I'm getting my son back. And they said, well, you know, I can't guarantee it. It might cost a lot. Well, if it costs me everything that I ever make, I'm getting my son back. And he just went to war and he did get his son back. And I've had the pleasure of watching that young man grow into a noble man a strong man and today a very successful man and that would not have been his life story probably because all the influences in his years would have been just totally people that their life was already a disaster and that would have been his circle but you know someone contended for him and if i love people enough i need to be willing to put myself out there and contend for their soul and, and earnestly engage them So I think we're going to see fruit you know, at, at the level that we're willing to engage people I think God is going to reward that energy And I think people will, will reward it They'll pay attention to us They'll understand that we're speaking to them Out of love for their soul And I think we'll be a lot more uh, effective In leading people out of the darkness And into the light It is a spiritual war Well, expect God to use you this week Because you're the light of the world Shine on